it was almost like I was aging overnight. I was sort of turning into a sort of little old lady in my, my movements and my, my skin. I felt terrible. I felt like I had no quality of life. I felt, I felt like, gosh, I've had this brush with death, you know, cancer, but is, is this what survival looks like? Because if that's the case, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I want to go on living like this. And so for me, going back on HRT has been really transformational. That is, of course, the much-loved voice of broadcaster Kirsty Lang, who was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 53, and she made headlines for her choice to continue taking her HRT. Welcome to the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show. I'm Liz Earle, and this is the podcast that brings you weekly wellness wisdom you can trust. Well, it was World Menopause Day on the 18th of October, so there's, quite rightly, been a lot of talk about HRT in recent weeks. But what about those with breast cancer, those who have it now or who've had it in the past? Papers once showed an apparently concerning link between breast cancer and HRT, but that has been largely debunked. So what is the research saying now? Well, a little later on, I'll be chatting to Dr. Sarah Glynn. She is a menopause specialist with a particular interest in caring for breast cancer patients. She works as an NHS GP in Surrey and also at the Portland Hospital for Women and Children in London. First, though, I want to catch up with Kirsty Lang. You may remember I spoke to her on the podcast back in 2019 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 53. Kirsty had already been on HRT for five years and I remember her telling me that the first question she asked of her doctor was is it my fault because I've been taking HRT? A heartbreaking question to have to ask. Her doctor said no, family history and lifestyle factors will have been at the centre but that the HRT could have acted like a fertiliser for the cancer. So she went home and she threw away her HRT. Her epiphany moment came at a conference a couple of years later when Professor Avram Blooming, who spent over 20 years researching the relationship between HRT and breast cancer, said he absolutely had patients on HRT, including his own wife and daughter, both of whom had had breast cancer. So Kirsty went back on her HRT. So how has life changed for Kirsty since we last spoke? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Kirsty, it's such a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been several years actually since we first chatted. So I guess the first off I have to ask you is um, how are you and are you still on HRT? 
I'm I'm really well, still on HRT, uh, still cancer-free. Brilliant. No, definitely feeling very good on it. It's been about four years now since I went back on it. Really? So, yeah, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer in, in 2016. Um, I had radiotherapy, chemotherapy, and it was about, I would say, two and a half years later that I went back on HRT. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's about three and a half years, three and a half to four years. And can I ask you, if you don't mind, mind me being sort of quite personal here, what, what exactly are you taking? I know a lot of people would be super interested to hear. I'm taking estrogel. I take about two to three pumps a day. I take a progesterone pill at night. And I take a little bit of testosterone, a testosterone that is especially uh, produced for uh, women. I think it's called Androfem in Australia. Androfem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other story, isn't it? The fact that it's licensed for women in Australia, Western Australia, but we so struggle to get it unless you're you know, your other half gets it and we nick some of theirs. Exactly. So I get um, I get the oestrogen and the progesterone through my NHS GP. Mm-hmm. So I don't uh, have to pay for that um, uh, now because I've just just turned 60, so I don't even have to pay for my prescription. Oh. Um, the Androfem I have to buy, I have to pay for. Yes. But um, a tube usually, you only take, need to take a tiny bit. And I, I usually manage to k- uh, keep one tube going for about six months. So mm. um, you don't need to take very much. And how is your NHS GP knowing your cancer background? How are they about your repeat prescriptions now? I was really lucky from the get-go, actually, with my GP. I think she realised I'd done a lot of research. Sure. I had my breast surgeon and my oncologist on board, and I'd been to a gynaecologist, and they had written to her. So she was reassured about it. And do you have to have any more frequent checks? Absolutely. I mean, if you're a breast cancer survivor, you tend to get an annual mammogram. Uh, I certainly do, you know, which obviously you wouldn't if you uh, you weren't a breast cancer survivor. And then my oncologist will give me an annual tumour marker blood test as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm sort of, you know, uh, well looked after, that I'm monitored very carefully. And have there been any moments, either perhaps physically or mentally, that have felt particularly significant to you over the last few years during this whole course? Gosh, there's been there's been so many moments, really. I, I think just to sort of you know recap of people who maybe didn't hear me the first time around on your podcast, mm. but uh, I had been on HRT, and then um, when I was diagnosed with a, a sort of hormone receptive cancer, i.e., estrogen receptive breast cancer, the very first thing I did was obviously to stop HRT. Um, I then st- started on a, a, a drug uh, called letrozole, which uh, sucks Ooh. all the sort of hormones out yeah. of your body. So yeah. I went into a hypermenopause. I couldn't sleep at night. I, I really. F- oh, and the other thing is, is that my joints ached and became very, very stiff, and it was almost like. I was aging overnight. I was sort of turning into a sort of little old lady and my, my movements and my, my skin. I felt terrible. I felt like I had no quality of life. I felt, I felt like, gosh, I've had this brush with death, you know, cancer, but is, is this what survival looks like? Because if that's the case, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I want to go on living like this. It's that mm. miserable. Now, 
not all women suffer those kind. I mean, I had quite a violent reaction, but but quite a quite a few do. And so for me, going back on HRT has been really transformational. I mean, the amount of people who kind of say to me still to this day go, gosh, you look really well. And I know yes. the subtext of it is, you looked pretty awful a few years back. <laughs> I mean, I look at photographs of myself and, I, you know, I, I, I did. I mean, look, I'd, I'd been through chemo and all sorts of things. I'd, you know, my, you know my, my system had taken a, a, a battering and, you know, steroids and I'd lost my hair. And, you know, obviously I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't looking great. But um, there's no doubt that the HRT has um, just, yeah, it's just changed, changed my life and, and made me much, much happier. That's such a joy to hear. And, you know, we previously talked about the capacity to take risks and, you know, even taking risks on different combinations of drugs and treatments. And you're a journalist. You've got access mm. to medical opinion and information that others might not have, you know, even perhaps under the guise of investigation. Do you think that empowered you in the early days to take more risks because you felt you had more information than perhaps was more widely available? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, I used my position as a journalist uh, to write a couple of articles, go around and interview some of the world's leading experts. And that certainly made a huge difference. Look, there are a lot of unknowns and the medical profession is divided Mm. on this issue. But the fact is, I think... I, I mean, I, I spent, you know, two years treating my breast cancer. I had surgery. That's the main thing to remove the tumour. I then had interruptive radiotherapy targeted at the tumour bed. I then had chemotherapy. I then had hormonal therapy. My cancer was, you know, was, was, was dealt with. I was, by the end of that period, I was cured. My cancer had gone. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So it's not like I didn't throw a whole lot at it. Sure. And so actually then my risk of getting breast cancer again is not that dissimilar to, uh, uh, to a woman who hasn't who hasn't had breast cancer, mm. if you see what I mean, who's mm-hmm. taking HRT. Yeah. I'd had the, the, the kitchen sink thrown at my cancer. I should also say I had early stage breast cancer. Right. So I had a lumpectomy. I didn't have a mastectomy. I, it had jumped to one of my lymph nodes, which is why I had uh, chemotherapy almost as a precaution. Was it estrogen um, receptive? It was, mm-hmm. yeah. My cancer was, for all intents and purposes, you know, cured um, and that's the other thing. Let's see. We need to see this in the context of, you know, the, the, the cure rate for breast cancer now is over 90 percent. Yes. Amazing, it is isn't no, it? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And I think you have to see it in that context. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of GPs are still acting on very outdated, you know, attitudes and data around HRT. Mm. Do, do I have a, 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 a slightly higher risk? Um, Yes, you know, it's a small risk, but then 
you have not as high a risk as if I was overweight. Mm. That is a really high risk. Yes. Not as high a risk as if I wasn't taking any exercise. That I have definitely, I'm, mm. you know, I try and walk or do some kind of exercise every single day. And drinking alcohol. Alcohol is a very high risk factor. Um, unfortunately, mm. I'm, <laughs> let's get on that. I still enjoy my glass yeah, of come wine. come on, live life in balance. <laughs> but, you know, hey, live life in so. balance. But, but, you know, if I, I mean, I would say to somebody, if, you're, if you want to go back on HRT and you're really anxious about the the recurrence and i know people who've done this um just stop drinking yes that will actually wipe out any of the added increased risk that you get from the hrt so it's about balancing all these things out you know i mean do 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 i do i still have moments in kind of sort of at 4 a.m in the morning when i you know kind of think oh god am i doing the right thing of course you know of course i'm you know once you've had cancer once you're you're frightened but I also say to myself, you know, if, if it did happen again, um, and I'm very closely monitored, I'd know it would be caught early stage. And if I had to have another lumpectomy, it's not, you know, the end of the world. Um, I'm still on tamoxifen, so that's reducing my Interesting. Risk. So you can take tamoxifen as well, because it's some people think that tamoxifen is an estrogen blocker, but it's not, is it? It's a, is it a, some, some form of modulator. So what, I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but the way I had it explained to me is I couldn't, you cannot take letrozole no. and uh, HRT, because letrozole literally sucks the estrogen out of your body. Tamoxifen works in a slightly different way. It works on the on the receptors on the on the the, the receptors to the cancer cells. So it's kind of blocks them locking on, mm-hmm. if you like, to the estrogen. That's that's how I understand mm. it. So you can take tamoxifen and HRT. I don't really get side effects from tamoxifen. Lots of women do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also worth bearing in mind. I th- I, then that's the other thing I want to emphasize is this is such an individual yes. choice. Yes. You know, I, uh, there is a, a, a doctor online called Lizzo Reardon, who, a breast cancer surgeon, who is very against women who've had cancer taking HRT. And my, I'd say my and sh- uh, my beef with her, and I've looked very carefully at what she's written, is that there's there's no one size fits all. Sure, and it needs to be a choice and a dialogue and a discussion. Exactly, with evidence based yeah. information bearing up the the risks and the potential benefits. And as you say, you described your quality of life after your cancer treatment, and you know it sounded like almost zero. That's right. You know, the other day I went, I was invited to Sunday lunch by some friends, and. Um, I met a woman there who I, I didn't I didn't know before, around a similar age to me, sort of late fifties, early sixties, or whatever. And I noticed that she was sweating profusely, you know. And I thought, well, it's either she's having a very late menopause, or she's going through what I went through, mm. sort of thing. And she sort of said, "God, I'm sorry," and started wiping her face. Um, and she said, "I've um, I, I I've I had breast cancer about a year ago, and I'm I'm on this drug." I said, "Say no more." <laughs> She said, yes. And I said, how are you? And she said, I'm really, really miserable. Struggling. I'm really struggling. Um, Another person worth listening to is there's a a doctor called Dr. Tina Pears. I know Tina Pears. I think she's a brilliant medic. And she, you know, she had had cancer and went back on HRT. Mm. Um, And she did very much a similar thing to to me. She kind of researched it. She crunched the numbers. She looked at about the risk of recurrence. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the other thing, you know, ask your doctor about your risk of recurrence. I mean, mine is actually really low. You know, I'm kind of like sort of, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of around 
five or six percent. Well, yeah. if that if that's all it is, then you know, um, yeah. you, you might you might as well have a decent quality of 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 life. But she, I mean, she talked about being so depressed when she went on, you know, tamoxifen and, and, and went into hypermenopause uh, that she became suicidal and she had three children in a happy marriage. Yes. You, you just have to remember that. I mean, oncologists and breast surgeons are quite rightly focused on getting the cancer out and curing you. They're not really that interested in your quality of life. Mm. So lastly then, what do you think still needs to be done? Obviously, the conversation has moved on a little bit since we last spoke a few years ago. But what would you like to see happening now and the discussions happening? Well, I mean, I would like to see much more research being done in this area. I would like to see far better training of GPs around this issue. Unfortunately, like all debates, it's now becoming slightly polarised online Mm. between sort of, you know, some doctors going, you know, it's terrible, you know, (laughs) you can't have women with who've had cancer taking HRT, this is disastrous, and others kind of, you know, proselytising mm. for it. You know, you know, th- this, this, this has got to be kept on a sort of individual and scientific basis. Women need to be reassured, but they also need to know that they've got yes. choices um, and they're allowed to take informed choices and, and they mustn't feel guilty about no, it. No, I mean, th- 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 there's that rallying cry, isn't it? You know, my body, my choice. What, why is that not applying in this case? Exactly. And this is also about wanting to be healthy in your 60s, 70s and 80s. Tell me about My mum's 85 and she has been solidly on HRT since her early 50s. Snap. And she is, she's, she's, an, she's an advert yeah. for it. She's a walking advert. She's, yeah. she's incredibly fit. You know, she does Pilates. She walks very long distances. She still travels. She's sharp. Um, you know, I want to be like her. I don't want to be sort of, you know bent over and frail and depressed and worried about leaving my home and mm. and that's that's how that's that that's that's where I was I was heading Kirsty it's so great to have some good news it's brilliant to catch up thank you for being so open and sharing with us again will you come back perhaps not in another four years but you know sometime just ch- just check in with us <laughs> absolutely absolutely no it's always lovely to talk and uh, and I'm just kind of I just want to help other women I you know when I saw this woman at that lunch party suffering the other day and we've been exchanging emails ever since I thought you don't need to suffer like this this is not fair no This is not fair. Well, I know that your experience here is going to help and inspire many. So thank you again. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Sarah Glynn. Don't go away. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, Sarah, welcome and thank you so much for joining me here. Now, you're a GP menopause specialist within that. And you have many patients who you've treated over the years with breast cancer. Why have you kind of picked that as almost a personal topic? It's an interesting question. Um, I think when I started getting interested in the menopause, it became very apparent very quickly that I was going to be talking about breast cancer a lot in my consultations, either because women were uh, scared of starting HRT in case it increased their risk of breast cancer, or possibly, you know, some women would be coming to speak to me having already got a history of breast cancer as to whether they could take HRT or not. And so initially, it just started off as something that I didn't know anything about, um, and I wanted to learn more about it. I work alongside uh, Louise Newson doing some, some bits and pieces, and I think I just got interested. She was, I knew she was setting up a group to develop a consensus statement to support HRT prescribing in women with a history of breast cancer if they needed it or wanted it. Um, and initially, I just asked her if I could join the group and did not expect her to turn around and say to me, well, why don't you lead it? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it all just sort of went from there. So in the last year, I've just learnt an enormous amount about breast cancer that literally a year ago I did not know. Um, and it's the best way to learn about something, isn't it? To just completely immerse yourself in it and be responsible for teaching other people about it. You, you sort of start learning very quickly, um, <laughs> you know, uh, what the data is and, and what you should be doing. Well, especially because you're learning from current data. So can we go back perhaps with a little quick reminder of the deeply flawed nature of the big study? Um, what was it, 20 years ago now that suggested a possible link between HRT and breast cancer? Yeah, so this was the WHI study um, 20 years ago this year that that was initially published that initially suggested there might be a small increased risk of breast cancer associated with taking HRT. And at the time, that risk was never statistically significant, so it could have occurred just due to chance alone. Um, and it was very small. It was less than one additional case of breast cancer per thousand women who took HRT each year. 
and it was associated potentially um, uh, with the progesterone. Everybody thinks it's the estrogen that increases risk of breast cancer, but it's not. The women in that study that took estrogen only HRT um, because they'd had a hysterectomy, so they didn't need to take progesterone, actually had a lower risk of breast cancer than women who weren't taking HRT. That was never apparent, was it? <laughs> it was never apparent, and it's such a shame because the the way How phenomenal. yeah the way that data got sort of snapped up by the media and sort of published uh, and what only one side has ever been talked about which is this increased risk of breast cancer with HRT that as I say was never even proven in the first place and it's just caused so much fear and so many women have either stopped taking HRT or steered away from taking HRT and therefore not reap the benefits of taking HRT because of that study and there have been studies that have shown you know the detrimental impacts that's had on women's health ever since um, reduced longevity increased uh, long-term health conditions poor quality of life it's had a really adverse effect on women's health. That's devastating. And last week we were talking with Dr. Rebecca Lewis, actually, who touched on this. And of course, all the many health benefits and advantages to taking HRT, lower risk of heart disease and potentially Alzheimer's and osteoporosis and type 2 diabetes. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. So think of how many deaths will have been caused by that poorly interpreted bit of data. Absolutely. How many millions of deaths of women around the world? Absolutely. Um, the WHI data, uh, there were lots of flaws with that study. Uh, there are webinars and lectures available online. Um, lots of problems with it. The sort of main problems were that the women that were recruited to that study were older uh, than women that normally are prescribed HRT for treatment of menopausal symptoms. They were you know, over 60. They were the study was designed actually to look at cardiovascular risk. So women weren't randomised according to their risk factors for breast cancer. They were randomised according to their risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And it's talked about all the time as this huge randomised controlled trial. But actually the breast cancer data that was taken from within that study was observational data. The women were not randomised according to their breast cancer risk factors. Not only that, but women were being treated with the sort of old-fashioned synthetic hormones. It was Premarin, which is conjugated equine oestrogen, i.e. a sort of oestrogen cocktail that's extracted from horses' urine. Um, not very natural. Uh, and the progesterone was a synthetic progesterone. And that's not what we would prescribe nowadays anyway. These days we prescribe body-identical hormones, which are completely different to the hormones that were prescribed back in the WHI study. And I think that's really interesting because, as you said just now, it was not the oestrogen that was at fault, if you like. And in fact, oestrogen was shown, even in that study, to have been protective. It was the progesterone component. And within that, we're not talking about the progesterone, the micronized body identical progesterone, such as utrogestan that women take these days. We're talking about a synthetic progestogen is that the right pronunciation of it? Absolutely, uh, yes. Which is not widely prescribed these days. So in, in every sense, it deserves kicking way out of the field, doesn't it? Absolutely, I think so. Uh, I mean, in 2020, the WHI data, it's been reanalyzed several times across the years, but um, it was there was a paper published in 2020 that looked at it again and analysed it to sort of give the final data, the final answer to whether it ever proved this association or not. And as I say, 
Women who took estrogen only HRT had a lower risk of getting breast cancer and a 40% lower risk of dying from breast cancer. Women who took combined HRT, that's estrogen and progesterone, even these old fashioned synthetic oral hormones that women were given 20 years ago, there was a small increased risk of breast cancer, but there was no increased risk of dying from breast cancer. So as you say, nowadays we prescribe different hormones that are much safer, better tolerated, and there's an argument that even women who've had breast cancer, uh, the data is suggesting to us at this point that there may be, um, that there's no increased risk and possibly a decreased risk of both getting breast cancer recurrence and dying from breast cancer if you take HRT. Gosh, a decreased risk. That's so interesting. So is there different advice now for women who are coming to you, perhaps with no history of breast cancer at all, for themselves personally, but there is a family history, maybe with their mother or their sister or their aunt. How, how does that affect your treatment as a, as a doctor? From an HRT perspective, it doesn't change anything. Um, if they've got an increased background risk, really? for example, absolutely. So if they've got an increased background risk, let's say they've possibly got the BRCA gene or they've got a strong family history, then that might need to be addressed. So I would certainly think about referring some women to a genetics clinic. Um, I would certainly think about referring some women to a breast uh, screening program or clinic. They might need more regular mammograms, etc. But from an HRT perspective, it doesn't change anything. Even if they are at an increased risk of getting breast cancer, HRT is not going to increase it any further. The risks aren't additive. So if they've got debilitating menopausal symptoms and or they're thinking about their long-term health, then absolutely, there's absolutely no reason why women with a family history of breast cancer can't have HRT. It makes no sense. And actually, there was one really um, interesting study. It's one of my favourite studies that was published in 2016. Breast cancer, unfortunately, is very common. One in seven of us will develop breast cancer. And the majority of women that develop breast cancer haven't been taking HRT and the majority of women that take HRT won't develop breast cancer. But because it's common, it's inevitable that some women will develop breast cancer whilst they're taking HRT, which doesn't mean that the HRT has caused it. It's just that the breast cancer is common and it happened to happen, happened to occur whilst women were taking their HRT. And this study that was published in 2016, uh, which was a Finnish study, um, showed that actually women who develop breast cancer whilst taking HRT have a significantly lower risk of dying from it than women who develop breast cancer that are not taking HRT. Wow. And this was true regardless of how long women had been taking HRT for, what type of HRT, how old they were. It didn't, across the board, women who develop breast cancer while taking HRT in this study had a better prognosis than women who develop breast cancer that were not taking HRT, which I think is astounding. That is is fairly jaw-dropping. And in fact, you're reminding me of an interview, in fact, two interviews on this podcast that I did with Professor Michael Baum, who was the lead researcher in the tamoxifen trials. He was the senior breast cancer surgeon at the Royal Marsden for many years and uh, extremely well-respected medic when it comes to talking about breast cancer. And he told me that in years gone by, they actually used oestrogen to treat breast cancer. Yeah. 
that's correct. And I, I didn't yeah. ask him. I said, well, what, what happened? And he said, well, I'm not quite sure what, what happened along the way because, it, it, you know, we used to give it to women with breast cancer. And, and then it just, it, the, all this seems to have blown up. It seems the most extraordinary catalogue of events, really, that have adversely affected the quality of life of so many women. Um, yeah, so before tamoxifen came along, um, oestrogen, high-dose synthetic oestrogen was used to treat breast cancer. It reduced the risk of recurrence by about 30% in postmenopause women. So I think where you were going with this is different types of breast cancer and different factors that might affect prognosis in different women at different times, which is sort of where we are at the moment. So in terms of different types of breast cancer, breast cancer is a very heterogeneous group of diseases. Broadly speaking, it's divided into oestrogen receptor positive disease and oestrogen receptor negative disease. And about 80% of women will have oestrogen receptors in their tumour and approximately 20% of women won't. So does that affect the way that you would approach HRT prescribing, whether, say, somebody comes to you having had their breast cancer treatment, and we heard earlier from Kirsty Lang, does that make a difference to you whether the breast cancer they had was oestrogen receptor positive or not? Absolutely. So if someone's had an oestrogen receptor negative cancer, then HRT is safe. There's been no studies that have shown an increased risk of breast cancer recurrence or death in women who've had an oestrogen receptor negative cancer. Even with oestrogen receptor positive cancers, there is a place for HRT. Uh, and we've been, um, in association with Newton Health Menopause Society, we've been looking at the data regarding breast cancer recurrence and risk of death uh, in women who've been prescribed HRT after a breast cancer diagnosis, and that's in women with oestrogen receptor positive cancer. And overall, there's been 25 studies published. Uh, 24 of them have either shown no increased risk of breast cancer recurrence or death. Um, of those 24 studies, Five showed a reduced risk of recurrence and four showed a reduced risk of breast cancer death and the other showed no increased or decreased risk. And only one of the studies, which is the HABIT trial that's talked about a lot, um, even though it's the only study that's ever shown an increased risk uh, of breast cancer recurrence, also didn't show an increased risk of breast cancer death in women with oestrogen receptor positive cancer that were given HRT. Gosh, so out of 25 studies of looking specifically at women with oestrogen positive receptor breast cancer yes. <laughs> taking HRT, <laughs> yes. that the 24 out of the 25 were overwhelmingly positive and supportive. And in fact, did you say four of those studies found they actually showed a decreased risk exactly. of death? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the data we've got is not brilliant. The numbers are generally small and women have only been followed up for relatively short periods. It's very difficult to do a big randomised controlled trial in this area. I'm not sure that there ever will be one. But the data that we've got is, is reassuring. Um, and when we start to think about the benefits of HRT or the risks of not giving HRT and we start weighing it up with, well, what are the risks of recurrence? You know, what is the risk of breast cancer death? And that's going to be completely different for every patient. So when I'm faced with a patient in my clinic, I guess my first question will be, well, what are the benefits? What, what is the risk of recurrence? What is the risk of death given your particular tumour profile and your particular case? Um, what are the benefits of 
endocrine therapy, so tamoxifen, aromatase inhibitors for this particular patient. And then, as I say, thinking about what are the risks of HRT in terms of will it increase the risk of recurrence or death? Generally speaking, the evidence is very reassuring. I would still be cautious in some patients if they've got some aggressive cancers. And then, what are, as I say, what are the risks of not giving HRT? What is the likelihood that they are going to develop issues from their breast cancer versus what is the likelihood that they're going to develop issues such as cardiovascular disease or dementia if they don't have HRT, never mind their, their quality of life. And so for every patient, it's a very individualised decision based on the risk-benefit ratio. But the vast majority of women uh, will benefit from HRT if they want it. When you start looking at the data, it's very interesting. I think and this is probably a very controversial thing to say, but I think the endocrine treatments that are used for breast cancer, which work by basically switching estrogen off in the body, I think, but overall, if you consider women with breast cancer in total, all of them, overall, I think those endocrine treatments do more harm than good. Now, clearly, at the level of an individual, that might, be, might not be the case, but when you look at all women, you know, we know that women with breast cancer are more likely to die of something else than they are to die of breast cancer. We know that women with early localised disease who have an excellent prognosis, you know, it, it's not likely at all that they will end up dying from their breast cancer. They are five times more likely to die from something else. Um, and the most common cause of death in breast cancer survivors is heart disease, uh, closely followed by dementia, Alzheimer's. And we know from looking at non-breast cancer patients that HRT can significantly reduce the risk of heart disease and Alzheimer's uh, as, as long as you know many other things, obesity, diabetes, depression, mental health, etc. Et uh, then yeah, so if you've got an early localised breast cancer, the benefits of HRT are likely to far exceed the risks. That is really quite staggering. I'm sure a lot of people are, are sitting back and taking this in and will want to widely share this information because it's so incredibly helpful protective. When you think of the number of risk factors that there are as women age, and as you say, rightly point out the the ways that women die, heart disease, osteoporosis, dementia, diabetes, you know, all of these things now being looked at with HRT being so potentially health protective. It's it's very sobering, isn't it? Mm. And as you also rightly say, the good news is the latest figure that I saw is that is it either 85 or 95% of all women now in the UK diagnosed with breast cancer will not die of it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's even more than that. I think, uh, again, if you look at breast cancer as a whole, about 91% will survive to five years. 97% of patients will survive to five years if they've had an early localised breast cancer. And the majority of women that don't survive to five years uh, or 10 years or 15 years don't die of breast cancer. They've, they've died, sadly, but it's of something else. Um, you know, if you look at 100 women in the background population who don't have breast cancer, unfortunately, 10% of them probably won't survive to five years, but it's because they're dying for other reasons. You, you've got to be very careful when you look at the data as to whether you're looking at breast cancer-specific mortality or all-cause mortality or other causes of mortality. 
So for example, I was looking at some tamoxifen data earlier today. The, the majority, about two thirds of breast cancers present at a very early stage when they're localized and they're very treatable. Um, and if you take 100 women uh, with an early, uh, small, less than 10 millimeters, uh, localized breast cancer, so it hasn't spread to the lymph nodes, it's obviously not metastasized, so a, a nice early localized breast cancer. If you give 100 women with that breast cancer, if you gave them tamoxifen for five years, you would save one life due to the tamoxifen. That means that the other 99 women with that tumour profile have taken tamoxifen for five years and they haven't benefited from it. Not only that, they are significantly likely to have had menopausal symptoms, poor quality of life, increased their future risk of heart disease, dementia, etc. Breast cancer survivors have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease than women their age who don't have breast cancer, which is presumably because they've been lacking estrogen because their hormones have been switched off and they've been plunged into either an early or a severe menopause as a consequence of the treatments they've been given for breast cancer. So it only helps one in a hundred? So only one. So this is with early localised breast cancer. So again, you know, obviously if you've got a more aggressive cancer or it's in your lymph nodes or it's, you know, the, the, the risk benefit ratio will be different for everybody. But yes, if you take those women with sort of the best prognosis of all, um, and a lot of women have a really good prognosis, you know, as I say, two thirds of women present early. Um, and actually you're looking at, at most, maybe two, three, four women out of every hundred that will benefit, which means that the other 96, 97, 98, 99 will have taken it for five years and will not have benefited from it. Isn't that amazing? You know, I think, I think the benefits of endocrine therapy uh, are probably overstated to women. So not only are they not getting adequate, proper, up-to-date information about the benefits of treatment, they're also not being talked to properly about the risks of treatment in terms of long-term risks of hormone deprivation. Um, and I'm not an oncologist, so you know, I do think we need to work together. This is a conversation I think that we're going to have to return to many <laughs> times. It's really quite eye-opening. You as a, as a GP and as a medical professional have obviously come into this relatively recently and I can tell that you're absolutely passionate about wanting to be able to help women. What do you come up against with fellow colleagues who presumably aren't quite so aware of all of this as you are now? Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously a lot of ignorance. I think a lot of women get told by their oncologists that they just can't have HRT. There's no discussion. There's no... Um, I wouldn't expect an oncologist to you know, start necessarily going into the risk benefits in depth, but just to have an open mind about it um, and to think that you know, there's more to a patient, to a woman than her breath. You know, we've also got to think about her quality of life and her bone health and brain health and heart health. I just think it's such a shame that women are not being given the opportunity to have this discussion and make an informed decision when they get diagnosed with their breast cancer. Where would you like to signpost women then for further information and the helpful resources that I'm sure so many are going to be reaching for right now? I think there's a lot of really useful information on the Balanced Menopause website. Um, there's some great podcasts, fact sheets, articles, lots of information. 
I'm working at the moment uh, with a group. Uh, we are, as I say, developing this consensus statement that we want to, we're hopefully going to publish early next year, so 2023. Uh, and when it's published, obviously, we'll be making that available and hopefully that will stimulate awareness and education and further discussion. We are absolutely not saying that every woman who's had breast cancer should have HRT. Of course we're not. But what we are saying is that the risks of HRT are usually you know, vastly outweighed by the benefits. And therefore, for those women who want it, uh, who have menopausal symptoms or are worried about their future health and who have been given the information and empowered to make an informed decision about it, it's an option. That's all we're saying. It should be opening the discussion. As I say, recognising that you know, there's a lot more going on in women's lives than just uh, their breasts. Fear of recurrence is a huge thing. I'm not trying to minimise that at all. But actually, um, you know, just having a discussion and letting women decide for themselves, I think will be hugely empowering for women. Well, Dr. Sarah Glynn, thank you very much indeed for being with us today. Pleasure. Well, thank you so much to my two guests today, for Kirsty Lang for sharing so much of herself yet again. And of course, we know that we have to make the best decisions that are right for ourselves. We're the ones who know ourselves best. But it's always particularly powerful, I think, to hear one individual's story in that way. And thank you, of course, to Dr. Sarah Glynn for arming us with a bit more knowledge to help us make those decisions. And as we know, knowledge is power, especially when it comes to having informed consent alongside evidence-based up-to-date information to make the right decisions over the way we would like to treat our bodies. Well, last week's episode was another special for World Menopause Day, and that was with Dr. Rebecca Lewis, who spoke brilliantly also about the benefits of HRT, as well as looking into heart health for menopausal women. And you can scroll back just a little way in your podcast feed to find that one. And of course, there are lots more brilliant resources and articles all about the menopause, the perimenopause, and many, many other aspects of female hormonal health over on lizaltwellbeing.com. And I'd also like to give a great shout out here actually to the Balance Menopause app, which Dr. Glynn mentioned. It's a free app wherever you're listening to this in the world. It's free to download and highly recommended. Well, make sure that you're back here next week because we'll be talking about dressing in a way that makes us feel stronger and more confident possibly for those GP visits, who knows, and how we could be expressing our identity alongside our wardrobe for well-being. Well, do click the follow button on your podcast feed so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to get in touch, I am at Lizelle Me and my team are at Lizelle Wellbeing on social media. Until the next time we chat, go very well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.